Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. If you're new to Believer's Church, our mission is to help broken people become devoted followers of Jesus. That's who we are. That's what we're about. That's what we care about. And everything that we do is centered in this direction. Our first core value at our church is what we call formation or spiritual formation. And this is to become students of Jesus. We become students of Jesus through the practice of spiritual disciplines in our lives. Every spring and every fall, we spend four to ten weeks talking about a spiritual discipline in order to implement this way of Jesus into our lives so that we are becoming fully devoted followers or disciples of Jesus. So the goal is to implement this into our lives in a meaningful way. Spiritual disciplines, if you've never heard that kind of language, we're talking about prayer, scripture reading, giving, fasting, practicing Sabbath, serving, loving your neighbor. These are the kind of things that we're talking about that are spiritual disciplines that we are supposed to be practicing in the way of Jesus. There's also a section of the website called Recommended Readings. In the spring and in the fall, whenever we do one of these practices, we give you guys some additional readings. If you want to dive a little bit deeper into this, you can check the website, and I highly recommend that you do that. So in the spring, we focused on prayer. And in the fall, we're going to be talking about, starting today for five weeks, giving. Now, I feel pretty confident that this is not going to be our most popular series ever. But it is going to be one of the most important that we ever talk about. I have not, to the best of my knowledge, experienced the kind of conviction and God just shaking me as I've went through these parables and these teachings and looked at what Jesus had to say about finances and about possessions It's been so long since I felt this way, because keep in mind that when a pastor preaches something, he has to walk through it before you guys walk through it, so it gets me as well. And you're probably also thinking, especially if you're new today, this is a bad Sunday for it to be your first Sunday, but you may be thinking, I hate when preachers talk about money. Let me let you in on something. We don't like to talk about it either. The awkwardness goes both ways. It's just something that people don't like to talk about. Now, you can talk about all the other sins and problems in my life, but if we start to talk about giving, or you start to talk about my money, no, that's off limits. That's the way that so many people feel whenever we talk about this. But the pain and the awkwardness is mutual. And if I could talk about something else today, I would. But this is worth noting. Jesus said more about money 
than he did heaven and hell combined. Around 20% of the teachings of Jesus recorded, or we could look at what we could look at as about one in five lessons is either directly or indirectly about money. So the question for us as we approach this five weeks, as we approach this practice, is this. Why did Jesus say more about money or how we handle our possessions than any other recorded thing? So today we're actually going to say very little about money. Because I believe if we're going to truly be gutted, and I think that's what's going to have to happen in this practice. If we're going to truly be gutted, we first, before we even get into how we spend, have to take into consideration our possessions. So if you have your Bible, turn to the Gospel of Luke with me, if you will. It's toward the end of the Bible. If you want to, you can use your phone. If you'd like to look up here on the screen, that's perfectly fine too. But we're going to be in two different places this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 18, and then we're going to go backwards, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 9. So Luke chapter 18, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 25. And then we're going to go to Luke chapter 9. All right, so starting in Luke 18 this morning, this is what it says right here. A certain ruler, and a lot of you are familiar with this story. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? It's the question that a lot of people in society are asking. It's really the only thing they care about. What do I got to do to get to heaven? Not any of the in-between stuff, but what do I got to do to get to heaven? Jesus replied, why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. And you know the commandments because this guy is a good Jew. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony, meaning don't lie. Honor your father and mother. And all of a sudden, this ruler's feeling pretty good because like I said, he was a good Jew. He understood the Torah. So he's followed these things perfectly, and this is what he says. The ruler said, I've kept all of these things since I was a boy. You know this kind of person. I'm self-righteous. I'm in a good place. I've done all these things that I'm supposed to do, so it looks like I'm going to have to do, I'm going to be in pretty good shape. When Jesus heard this, he said, there's one more thing. And that one more thing is what we tend to really, really dread. Sell everything you own and distribute the money to the poor. Then, and only then, you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. When he heard this, and I believe these are some of the most depressing words in all of scripture. When he heard this, the man became sad because he was extremely rich. When Jesus saw this, he sees the reaction on the man's face. He said, it's very hard for a wealthy man or for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. 
Now, if we can go to chapter 9, I'm going to look up on screen, so I'm not doing a lot of flipping, but if we can go to chapter 9 and just go just a little bit backwards with where we're going to be in the passage, I want us to look at verses 1 through 3. Jesus called the 12 disciples. So this is a little bit earlier. He's had plenty of time to teach the disciples. Jesus called the 12 together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to heal sickness. He sent them out to proclaim God's kingdom, big responsibility, and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No walking stick, no bag, no bread, no money, not even an extra shirt. So I think that if we're going to give this topic of giving the credit and the attention and the respect that it deserves, we must first make the decision, please hear this, to part with the things that do not produce kingdom value. Let's say that again. I feel if we are going to give this topic of giving the attention and the respect that it deserves, if we're going to continue about what it means to really part with our money or to live with an open hand, we must first make the decision to part with the things in our lives that do not produce kingdom value. This is hard to do. It's very radical, but it is completely necessary. Because what I believe with every fiber within my being is that there is this gap or there is this chasm between the American Christian and what it means to actually be a follower of Jesus. And this is something that we have to pay attention to. And this is something that should bring about a tremendous amount of conviction in our lives. So based on these two passages that we've looked at today, what does Jesus believe about possessions and why could possessions in our lives be a problem? First, pay attention to this. Possessions have the ability to become gods in themselves. And some of you know that. Some of you never needed to be told that. Possessions become gods in themselves. And here is what they do in our lives. They distract. Possessions have the ability to distract. They promote false security. They bog down the journey. And they promote a false sense of identity. So they distract. They have the ability to give us a sense of false security. And we're going to walk through all of these. Possessions bog down the journey, and then possessions promote a false sense of both security and then also identity. So first, how do possessions distract? Consider the story of the rich young man. He has all of these things, and he believes that he's done well, and this can produce a sense of self-righteousness in our lives. He hears Jesus talking, well, I don't lie. I don't steal. I've certainly never murdered. And does this not sound like the average church person every single week? I go to church every single time the doors are open. I try to help people. I serve in the local church. I try to be a really good person. And it's like they're trying to check off 
all of these things in their lives that mean something, but then Jesus extends this man further. And today, Jesus is extending you further. And this is what he says. Sell everything that you own and distribute your money to the poor. Then, he says, come and follow me. So this is essentially, according to Randy Alcorn, this is what Jesus is commanding of all of us. Go, sell, give, come, follow. Go, sell, give, come, follow. Now, to be fair, Jesus is not asking every single person, because you may be thinking, does this mean as soon as I leave today, I got to walk out and get my car away, my home away, and all these things? No. Jesus knew specifically where this man's distraction was. And his distraction was in the things that he owned. So this is a question that Jesus is asking everyone. Does money distract you? Some of you, I don't think it does at all. But for others of you in here, it does. Does money distract you? Does your boat, your car, your clothes, other things that you own, do they distract you? Do you always need the newest phone? Do you always need the newest car? Well, the 19 model's getting kind of old. Those 23s look really nice. Let's just wait till the fall. Let's get the new car. Do you always need the newest gadget, the newest thing? Possessions are an ultimate distraction. So this is what Jesus is talking about. But then also, possessions promote a false security in our lives. Because we feel secure. Let me ask you, if you, because I, even I know this. Let, let me say this real quick. I do not struggle with possessions. I, I, I could go down a list of what I struggle with. My family could help you with that list. Some of you that, that lead with me, you could help with that list. This is not a real struggle for me. In fact, I throw away too much. I probably get rid of too much. But for a lot of people, this is a real struggle. So let's not make the mistake, though. Well, let me say this first. Do you know that feeling? Because I can identify with this. Whenever you get something new, I'm a big Amazon shopping guy. So when I, I like the, the packages that come to the front porch. For others of you, it's the new car. For some of you, whenever you've had a bad day and you just go out and you just want to shop, because you know if you can buy some clothes, if you can buy this, if you can buy that, there's just some kind of comfort that comes to you. So this is what we're talking about with this false sense of security. But let's not make a, uh, the mistake of believing this is always about wealth. In the case of the rich young ruler, it is. But for a lot of people, this is not about wealth. What about the people who don't need much money or don't have much money, but they're addicted to their stuff? Now, some of this stuff can hold like tremendous sentimental value. And for other people, it's just junk. And you can't part with it. You guys ever seen the show Hoarders? Raise your hand if you've seen Hoarders. Oh, that's, that's embarrassing. All right. So, so Beth used to say to me, Matt, come in here and watch Hoarders. And I, it, it just ticks every trigger of depression that I have. 
And it's like houses that are just like full of stuff. And some of you, you won't throw anything away. So we're not talking about the new car, the new wardrobe, all these things so that you can keep up with the Jones family. We're talking about some people. Have you seen these people? They're like, this gum wrapper has sentimental value. And they like will not throw anything away that they have. And you know, I'm walking through the house this morning, getting ready, putting on my shirt, my jacket. I go out and start my car and it just hits me. And I even told Beth this before I left. One day, our kids are going to be boxing this stuff up and throwing it away or giving it away or keeping the few things that they consider to matter. It, it's going down. It's temporary. But we grab a hold of all of these things and they are security in our lives. Some of you are nudging somebody, you know, you're nudging the person beside you and you're saying, honey, I'm not getting rid of all my stuff. <laughs> the ship is going down. So this is a situation that we find ourselves in. Psychologists will tell you that these attachments produce a sense of security for a lot of people. That's why you can't get rid of stuff. It produces a sense of security. And what this does is it moves you or draws you away from what your security in Christ is supposed to look like. It is a complete false sense of security. But what they also do is they bog down the journey. Possessions bog down the journey. So Jesus is clear in what he tells his disciples. He says this, take nothing for the journey. I've spent this time with you. I have built into you. I have invested in you. And now as you go out, take nothing with you for the journey. No walking stick, no bag, no bread, no money, not even an extra shirt. You're to be void of everything that would cause you to depend on something other than me. And they understand this. And I'm going to tell you something. That house full of stuff. You constantly checking your, your bank account for your dream home or this or that. I pray that God removes it from your life. Because this is what it's doing. If you're a follower of Jesus, it is creating these weights on your body. It is bogging down the journey so that you can't move forward in the strongest possible way because you're attached. You're saying, well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, I can't sell my car. Well, I can't move into a smaller home. Well, I can't do these things because you're so consumed with the things that you have. But also, and this is probably the most dangerous, possessions, the things that you own, they promote a false identity. They tell you someone, that you are someone, that you are not. Our identity should primarily be found in our walk with Christ. Not in being a member of the upper middle class in America. Not by the car that we drive. Not by the square footage of our home or the gated community that we live in. Not by where we went to college. Not by all the toys that we have that we can't pay for. Not by your shoe collection. There's like this, this Instagram page called Preachers with Sneakers. And this is a true story. And basically what this is, this guy decided a few years ago to start keeping track 
of the money that pastors pay for their shoes and their clothing. And if you saw these price tags, it's disgusting. It's so ungodly. And we're like looking up to a lot of these people. And what does Jesus say? Take nothing with you for the journey. Because when I am glorified in you, it's not going to matter what kind of clothes you're wearing. It's not going to matter how cool you may seem. Whenever you've taken all of that stuff and you've put it behind you, and I am receiving the glory for everything in your life. So possessions, they become a God. And for some of you, there's no doubt today, possessions are a God in your life. But also possessions, what we're talking about in this series, they draw us away from giving. They draw us away from generosity. Why? <laughs> because we can't afford to be generous. If you can't afford to be generous, you can't be generous. You can't give to others when you see them in need. You can't become a regular giver. And I'm talking about like a real giver within the local church. You can't do these things. If you're hanging on to a sinking ship, this is never going to be a reality in your life. Now, I want you to hear this today. God does not deserve your leftovers. If your finances and everything you have from the fruit of your labor begins with God. Some people at the end of the week, they'll wad up a 20 and put it in an offering bucket or they'll say, well, $5 is all I have. And they'll, they'll throw it in, or, or if they realize that someone is in need, well, I can't do that because I've done all of these other things. He doesn't deserve what you give after the car that you can't afford. The credit cards that you've racked up, the cigarettes, the lottery tickets, and don't even get me started on lottery tickets this morning. I'm not in the mood. Because when I stand behind you guys at the convenience store, and then I see you spend half your day, I'll even come back and you're still scratching off. But just all this money or the things that you try to buy to impress other people, we just spend and we spend and we spend. And it's like God is not even taken into consideration as we're doing these things. To love others, to really love others, and to love the church means that we are investing in others and we are investing in the local church. And really what this, what this practice is going to come down to are investments. And you may say, well, I don't invest. I live paycheck to paycheck. I don't have much. I don't invest. Listen, every single person in here Every day of your life, I don't care if you go to an Edward Jones office or you know nothing about financial planning, every single one of us makes investments every single day of our lives. And the question is this, are you investing in the permanent or are you making investments in the temporary? A wealthy plantation owner once invited John Wesley to his home. So they ride horses all day. He has an opportunity to see a fraction of this man's land. He's very wealthy. And the plantation owner, he looks at John Wesley and he says, well, Mr. Wesley, what do you think? Do we all know people like that? You know, well, Mr. Wesley, what do you think? 
And John Wesley gives like the ultimate mic drop of all mic drops in history. He looks at the man and he says, after he says, what do you think? He says, I think you're going to have a hard time leaving all this behind. I'd love to hear the rest of the story and see what the man's reaction is. The plantation owner was attached to the world that he was in. John Wesley was attached to the world that he was going to. And there is a huge difference in how we make investments. We must develop what Randy Alcorn calls a pilgrim mentality. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you take upon yourself the name or the character of Christ, everything material in this world that is not a human relationship tied to mission is temporary. The question is, where are your investments? Are you being stretched? I'm not asking you if you're listening to the best Christian podcasts. I'm not asking you if you're a nice person and you do try to, to truly do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What I'm saying, and, and, and I heard a preacher say this years ago, don't remember who it was. But they said, if you want to check a person's priorities and where they are, you look at their schedule or their calendar and how they spend their money. And if you look at those two things, you're going to have a very strong understanding beyond the Facebook posts, beyond the bumper stickers, beyond all these things, where is a person's heart? So there's a couple questions that I'd like to ask you guys today. Some of you struggle with this, some of you don't. But two questions that I'd like to ask you. How do possessions impact your life? Number one, how do they impact your life overall? And then number two, how do possessions impact your giving? How do possessions impact your life? And how do possessions impact your giving? If we go back to chapter 18 and verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said, because again, Rich young ruler, he's feeling pretty good. Well, I've done all these things. I've, I've never murdered anyone. I was good to my mother and father. I respected them. I don't lie. I don't steal. And then all of a sudden he thinks, I've done what I'm supposed to do. When Jesus heard this, he said, there's one more thing. There's one more thing. Sell everything that you own and distribute the money to the poor. Then, and only then, you will have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. He was offering this man a fresh start. A brand new beginning. And this is the moment for some of you in here right now, and I'm not telling you to go home and burn everything that you own or take it all to goodwill in one, in one car trip. 
but the mindset, the spirit mindset can start today. That whenever you go purchase something, or whenever you think that you need more of something, or whenever you think that you need the newest of something, that Christ is not just calling me or a few people into something deeper, but that he is calling every single child of God into something deeper. So that invitation is there. And then again, one of the saddest, most depressing parts of the entire Bible. When he heard these words, the man became sad because he was extremely rich. And in our context today, it could be that the woman felt sad because she just had so much stuff she couldn't get rid of. The man felt so sad because he knew he had to continue to spend and to spend and to spend. Now, I don't believe that overcoming the need for more stuff is an overnight fix. I don't believe that it's an overnight fix. Now, for some people, it is. For some people, with the situation that the disciples were in, they knew they had to leave everything behind, and they left everything behind, and they had to be fully dependent on what God was doing. But for other people, this means that you have to go home, and you have to process this, and you have to look at your budget if your family does a budget. And you have to look at how you spend because you can actually track if you have a bank account where every single penny goes. And how when you're depressed, whenever you feel sad, some people eat, some people do drugs, some people drink, other people get online with that credit card and they shop. And then all of a sudden, Everything is better until the next time. And then it's again and again and again. So this is what I want to challenge you to do if you truly want to follow Jesus with everything in you. The first is this. Acknowledge that possessions are a problem. You need to acknowledge that possessions are are a problem in your life. And this has nothing to do with wealth. We have all across the socioeconomic status in this, in this building right now. It has nothing to do with wealth. But then also, seek accountability or help. If that means that you need to take out a Connect card today, if that means that you need to fill that out and let someone know, I need help. I am struggling in this area. I don't know what to do. Maybe you need to pull in a friend that's going to come over and haul off four truckloads of junk you've got in your house. Whatever it may look like, there is something about that separation that changes everything within you. Jesus also tells us in the Gospels, you can not serve two masters. You must love one and you must hate the other. Acknowledge that possessions are a problem and seek the accountability or the help.
that you need today. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed this morning, what I'd like to ask, and this is just a super honest question, and it takes honesty on your part to actually acknowledge. acknowledge, I'm not asking you what kind of giver you are, and I'm not going to ask you at any point what kind of giver you are. I think that's between you and God. But what I will ask you, for the sake of a pastor that wants to be able to pray for you on a regular basis, if you're in here right now, and maybe you're on the wealth side of things, I've got to make more money, I've got to make more money, I've got to have this, I've got to have that, I've always got to have the newest thing, I've always got to have these things. Or maybe you're the person that you're just like, I can't get rid of stuff, and I keep buying stuff, and I keep bringing things in. Would you be honest enough just to raise your hand this morning so that we can pray for you? Anyone in here this morning that struggles with that, thank you for your honesty, sir. Anybody else this morning, you're in that place. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? What I want to do is I want to lift you up in prayer this morning and not simply pray for you, but pray that God gives you the wisdom and the discernment to part with the things that will not last. Father, we lift you up today and we praise you for who you are. Most of all, for sending your son to die for broken sinners, like the very people that are in this room right now. And God, my prayer within us within every single person in here because there's some dishonesty right now. Struggles with finances, struggles with possessions. God, you see our hearts. You know who we are. There is nothing that we can hide from you. And Father, my prayer and my desire is that you remove anything from our lives that does not magnify and glorify you. And this includes so many of the things that we own and the things that we desire. Father, these things that just bog down the journey, these things that give us a temporary sense of security and identity. And Father, these things that are an ultimate distraction in who we are. Father, these gods in our lives. We lift you up in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord's Supper is a way for us to experience the grace of God together as a body and remember the great sacrifice that was made for our sins. This is a practice for Christians, and we do this because we're following the example of Jesus at Passover. In a minute, you're going to have an opportunity to come forward. There's a table right here, and there's a table right here. And the elements, which is the juice and the cracker, are packed together. And there's a number of different ways that you can partake. You can come up to the altar, if you'd like, with your, by yourself, with your family, if you want to go back to your seat, if you want to take a few minutes to pray over this. However you want to partake, you can partake. The bread represents the body of Christ that was broken for us. 
the cup represents the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us. This is worship. We encourage you to come forward and take it, regardless of where you decide to be. And today we discuss the problem with possessions. But God does does speak of one possession that we must hold on to at all times. And this, of course, is the knowledge, the belief, and the experience of living out the resurrected Christ. And I want you to hear me say this today, regardless of what you did even before you walked into this room. God loves you. And God will meet you exactly where you are. Everything, everything can be new today. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this. While we were still weak, and at the right moment, because he always knows the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone would die for a righteous person, though maybe some might die for a good person, but God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.